When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. No great adventure ever started with, so there I was on the couch. Adventures should be fun. Adventures should be rugged. Adventures should take you someplace new. And if you ask me, there's no better place to start your adventure this spring than at your local Honda dealer, where new Hondas are arriving daily. Check out the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, Accord, Civic, and more. So you can stay on the couch if you want to, but I'm going to find adventure in a new Honda. Hurry into your local Honda dealer before they're gone. Over the next 10 years, Comcast is committing $1 billion through Project Up to reach tens of millions of people with the opportunities and resources they need to build a world of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at comcast.com slash project up. Goldilocks Productions presents the Inspiration from Spirit show with your host, Reverend Lee Chapin. The focus and goal for this show is to assist humanity in the awakening of a new level of consciousness that will bring peace to planet Earth. Hi, I'm Lee Chapin. Thank you for being with us today. Last week we had some technical difficulties. I'm still learning the process of this live streaming, and so thank you for your patience. We're back again with our special guest, Karen Kaplan. I want to thank all who have been with me for the past two weeks, and again, this is this is my third airing, but we are excited to have Karen Kaplan here with us today. She is a good friend of mine. She is an author, international speaker. We're going to talk about her book, Descendants of Rygrod, Learning to Forgive. And we're going to talk about a lot of information about how we can move through forgiveness. This is going to be a really important show. So please, we welcome your comments. We'll take your questions here shortly. And again, thank you, Karen, for being with me today. It's always an honor to have you as my guest. It is my pleasure to be here. Happy Memorial Day. And um, thank you for having me. Yeah. You are welcome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you're from the North Shore in Chicago. And, but, and I know that you um, come from... Uh, a Jewish culture, and that you are an author, you're a mother. But let's just tell us a little bit about a little bit about your background in terms of how you got involved in becoming an author. All right. Well, as you know, I grew up in the uh, north side of Chicago um, in a Jewish religious neighborhood, and I spent 12 years in day school. Also, stayed in the area and went to the University of Illinois in Chicago. 
um, be graduated in nutrition and medical dietetics and also did an internship in spiritual direction. Um, married um, and for about 17 years and then divorced. Uh, at that time during my marriage, I was going through a lot of difficulties, um, not just having not just with my marriage, but also my brother had died very young at 35. And then my mother had died also very young at the age of 62. Uh, at that time, I had three young children and um, it felt like the rug was taken out of me when my mom had passed. She was my rock. Um, she, uh, she emotionally took care of me. And when she passed, I started to search into my... Um, Judaism and my religion to see how I can be helped, who can help me, who can console me. Um, and I started veering away from that and looking more into just general spirituality and then started searching and looking and, and, and wondering more about life, purpose, why am I here and so forth. And then I met a lot of um, people in the spiritual community. Um, I met you and um, then proceeded more along the lines of this path to help find- I don't know if you can hear me, Karen, but I can't hear you. I'm okay. hearing, I'm having technical difficulties again. I can't hear you. Okay. So I'm not sure what is happening here. Uh, I can't so, hear Karen. Yes. But Karen, if you can hear me. Yes, I can. Uh, I just want to um, have you talk a little bit about how we met and tell our listening audience how we met and how that all came about, how I was invited to your home to speak and how you thought I was a nutcase okay. <laughs> and how that, how that all evolved. That's okay. quite a story. All right. So I had invited about 25 guests into my home and um, I had spoke to you on the phone and heard how how much you have helped um, a friend of mine um, who had gone through therapy, um, and that and when this friend met you and had a few sessions with you, this uh, woman um, improved and remarkably. And I wanted to have you come to my home and speak. So the topic was on spirituality and healing and in front of a group of 25 family and friends, you spoke and at the end of the lecture, you said um, something like, well, your Jewish community has been through um, a long period and history of pain and suffering. And it's time that you learn to heal. And I thought, who is this woman who comes into my home, tells me, about the needs of my Jewish community. Um, and I knew that you really didn't grow up around a lot of Jews and you didn't know of many Jews and, and how they are affiliated or connected with their community. So I was wondering why you can say something about my Jewish community and my connection. And, and, and so that just threw me and I just couldn't wait till you left my home. It was, it was just, to me, it was just craziness. So, so a stranger coming into my home and saying these things. 
Um, and But after a few months of sitting down and thinking about what you were actually saying, I started to think about, well, no, there is some truth behind what, what you've said. And I need to take a good look at my community as well as myself and try to understand my behaviors because I'm a child of a Holocaust survivor and I've carried a lot of heaviness in my heart as a result of being a daughter of a survivor. And I started to look at that as well as my community and see, yes, we are carrying a lot of anguish and we are suffering as a result of generation upon generation upon generation of war, the Holocaust, um, uh, blood libels, um, massacres throughout Europe to the Jewish community. And, it, and I understand that today it still takes a toll on, on, my, on myself as well as the Jewish community. So I think I am here um, online. Um, I'll continue talking. Um, as a result, I started working with Lee um, and um, it seemed like you know, I've been through um, psychotherapy and had therapy sessions, but working with Lee, I was able to, she was able to get right to the crux of the problem. And she understood that I was holding in a lot of anger, which I didn't see that in myself. And um, Lee said to me that it's time that I learn to let go of my anger and forgive my father. And when she said that to me, I said, Lee, I've learned what I've learned about forgiveness is it's just it's not going to happen here because my rabbis taught me that in order to forgive someone, you have to um, you have they have to ask you. And in Judaism, you have to be asked three times. And on the third time, if you choose not to forgive that person, then the onus will fall on you. But Lee noticed something um, that, you know, my father was abusive physically uh, to my mother and my brothers and verbally abusive to all of us and financially and emotionally abusive. Um, and I had realized that I carried that pain and suffering all throughout my childhood into my adulthood. And made a lot of decisions based on what I had carried internally inside. So um, Lee, Lee saw all that and she, Lee, you said, Karen, it's time to forgive your father. I can hear you now. Thank goodness. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. Yeah, I remember um, before I went up to your house that weekend, I don't know, it's probably been 10 years ago, um, I knew that was going to be difficult. I wasn't sure I could just feel that there was going to be um, some tension or some stress or just going to be challenging for me to, to enter in uh, to your world. And indeed it was. And I'm sure you told that story because I didn't, wasn't able to hear it. But it was really worth it because um, you've come so far. I'm so proud of you. 
you know, you've written your book, Descendants of Bragorod, you're putting it into a screenplay, you're writing another book. You've really helped so many in your community that uh, when we're called to do something, even though that I remember that I was called to come to your home and uh, had, like I said, I had some questions about that uh, with for myself. Um, but now, 10 years later, plus however long it's been, we can see how God works and how God uses each person to then catapult the other person into their mission. And one of the things that I do is I help people with their with their spiritual missions. I've known that for a long time. I help catapult people to move through those blockages, those limitations that they're holding so they can move forward to do the work they've come to do. And you are truly a living example of, of really listening, even though you were not sure about who I was or what this whole process was about. And so I just, I just honor you and say thank you so much, Karen, for, for being open. Well, thank you for your help because um, after um, after working with you and, and starting this process of forgiveness, which at first it was more of a, an intellectual understanding of what the word meant, that it didn't, it didn't make a difference whether the person asked or not. It was more about if I'm going to remain a victim the rest of my life, like my father did for over 70 years um, from the Holocaust, and I didn't want to live with this anger inside of me. And um, so the, my first process of forgiving was learning to just redefine what the word meant. And, and then after that, I went through an emotional process of letting go of all this anger that I carried inside of me, which I didn't even realize. And there was a lot of bitterness and um I was angry at my father because how he uh, abused my mother and my brothers and me. And I was angry that I came from a damaged and dysfunctional family. I was angry because I could never have friends over my home for I was afraid there my father would start a fight with my mother. My father was very uh, mercurial. One minute he might be civil, the next minute he might go into a rage. So um, I didn't realize how much of my childhood had an actual influence on um, mm -hmm. on me. And um, so after a period of about a year and a half or so, I do a lot of heavy crying. I'd be working with you. I um, finally, um, on my father's deathbed, I um, sat next to him in the ICU and held his hand. He was comatose for about uh, a week. And I held his hand and I brushed the hair off of his forehead. And I looked at him and I said, Daddy, I, I forgive you. I, I want you to know that I truly forgive you. And I started weeping. And, um, and out of the blue, his eyes popped wide open. Um, and I moved slightly to the right and he tracked me and I moved to the left and his eyes followed me again. And I thought my dad is waking up from this seven days of being comatose. And I ran out to get the nurse and we came back and my father's eyes were closed again. But um, I knew that the following day he had died and we buried him a few days later that I had forgiven my father and I buried him with a compassionate and loving heart and um, I felt free. And, um, and to me, forgiving is more about the person that's been hurt and how the person can feel liberated, more at peace, um, more calm. And, 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 and now that 
and then fill your life up with more happiness and joy. And, and it also has an effect on your children and the people around you. You're more lighthearted and, and easygoing. And I think I've changed a bit since um, maybe about 10, 15 years ago. And I think I'm a softer person um, and uh, more compassionate because uh, that I had forgiven my father. Well, I first when I remembered you, you were nervous inside and you had you had a lot of anxiety and your stomach hurt a lot and you um, just seemed really, really stressed. Now you have more of a relaxed attitude and have a it feels that you have a, a, like a spiritual healing that has taken place within you, like a spiritual cleansing. Like it's like, oh, in a sense, you've just been be, these burdens have been released from you. That's what it feels like for me that when I, when I look at you or through our time together. And so I know that you, you're trying to help other people, your other uh, community members to understand about forgiveness and that that's a difficult challenge. Can you tell us a little bit about how, you, how you've had the, the reaction to your book and to your story about forgiveness? So I've been speaking uh, in churches and synagogues, um, libraries, um, some medical conferences, um, uh, spoke to college students in, in Germany and Poland and, and all throughout um, the Chicagoland area in New York. Um, I've, I've had, um, gosh, I've had a woman stand up and rally the whole crowd against me and I, saying um, that what I, my perspective is wrong. Um, I've had men bat and hold their fists up at me and said, I don't know what abuse is in a home. And my father had every right to do what he did. Um, I've had, um, on the other hand, when I spoke in Germany um, to a crowd of uh, uh, some of the people there were um, children, mostly uh, grandchildren of um, soldiers in the Wehrmacht in the Nazi army. And, and um, they carried a lot of shame and guilt. And when I spoke of forgiveness and, and forgiving um, those that murdered my family during the war, um, they had tears, tears in their eyes because they too were carrying shame. They were carrying shame and guilt as a result of their German ancestry. Um, so. I've had all sorts of experiences speaking all over the world, some some more in, inviting than others. And you had that that story when you were speaking at the Botanical Gardens. You want to share that just briefly? So uh, one morning, uh, uh, summer last summer, I had a, uh, a speaking engagement at the gardens, which was a bit odd. It was in the cafeteria and at the public area. And um, in the morning, I, I knew that th this group of Israeli women um, who are also daughter of Holocaust survivors who um, went to Israel after the war of Palestine and, and they, their husbands, their, their, their sons, their daughters, their brothers served all in the Israeli army and gone through um, wars fighting decade after decade after the establishment of the state of Israel in 48. Um, I knew that this was a tough group of Israeli women. And um, I went, I, that morning I woke up and I said a prayer. I said, dear God, or whoever is listening to me, please 
don't let these women take their anger out on me today. I'm just not up for it. And I, I continue to say those words like a mantra as I dressed, showered, and, and just drove over to the gardens. And um, I stood there in the cafeteria um, and the group leader reassured me that it was okay to speak here in this public space. Um, so I started speaking. Um, there was a bird that flew into the room and it was flying up and down the windows and it was so distracting. And um, I'm trying to talk to the ladies about my father, his background, how he witnessed the death of his family, how he carried the anger in his heart and his heart turned to stone and how then it was transferred on to my family. And we all suffered because of what happened to my father. Um, there was an employee in the room that saw the bird flying up and down and he got on a walkie talkie and said, we have a, a situation here in the room and please bring um, another employee here who came and then went on his walkie talkie and said to get a, a bird net to come to capture the bird. In the meantime, the Israeli women were getting very frustrated because I tried to speak, but they couldn't hear me. There was a lot of chit-chatting in the room. And um, when the man came in with the bird net stick, he saw what was going on and he started yelling. And he said, ladies, you, you're not allowed to be here. And then the leaders stood up and started screaming and said, we are allowed to be here. And then the whole group of several ladies stood up to defend her and they started yelling at the guy and everyone's fighting. And I'm here trying to give a talk. And um, and I'm trying to quiet everyone down, and I'm and I'm telling them, look, I'm here to talk about forgiveness and how it can bring peace and joy in your life, and, and everybody's screaming <laughs> and yelling at each other. And um, finally, I said, look, I'll stop. Uh, you know, give me two minutes. I'll finish this, and we'll go out on the terrace. And they caught the bird. I finished in two minutes. I had no idea where I was in the lecture. Um, we went out on the terrace. We had questions and answers. I don't even remember that. It was just such a frustrating um, presentation for me. Um, everyone left and I sat there on the terrace just looking out at the beautiful gardens and the green waters. And I saw a bird, a sparrow, which was the type of bird that flew into the room and flew right past me and all of a sudden I started to laugh. I said, oh, my prayers were answered today because of the bird, the Israeli women took their anger out on the employees at the Botanic Gardens and not on me. So I realized that my answers were prayed even though I didn't give a, um, even though the presentation didn't go as I planned, but um, it was kind of funny. <laughs> when you look back at it. There's like a, a, a Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm sitcom uh, show or something. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, yeah one of those moments. Larry David know. moment, absolutely. And what I was going to say, but that is like you had prayed for that, and so your prayer was answered, but also isn't that interesting that you could just see you're there to help bring forgiveness, and that what was happening was the acceleration or the... Um, uh, all that energy of the anger. I mean, that was like symbolic of really what you're trying to help people understand. So it's like, oh, isn't that interesting that that was like 
sort of mirrored back to you so you could see the enormity of the work that you have to do. Right. There's a lot of intergenerational trauma and a lot of the uh, um, negative emotions like anger and depression have seeped from generation to generation. And I wanted to talk about that and, and help them understand why forgiveness will help you and um, liberate you and um, help you enjoy life, be more in the moment. And it just didn't work out that day. Yes, and so sort of come full circle, you know, the day that I came to your house and you were like, you didn't yell at me, but, uh, and I didn't know you were mad at me. I just knew that that was a big task for me. Uh, but yeah, to come full circle for you to now like, oh, be the observer, you know, of that anger or that energy. Isn't that right. interesting? Yeah, I witnessed firsthand exactly what you said years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So tell us a little bit about how you decided to put this into a screenplay. How did that evolve? Um, after I, uh, well, speaking, a lot of people had suggested this would make a great movie um, uh, about a daughter of a Holocaust survivor uh, learning to forgive her father. And, um, and so I hired a couple of screenwriters in LA and they put together a screenplay and I've actually submitted to some of the festivals and now it's a finalist in um, at the LA Life Film Fest in, uh, in California. The festival is in November. I'm waiting to see if I've actually won, but I am a finalist. Um, and I'm hoping that, that this COVID will all just disappear so I can go to the festival in November. Um, and so, yeah, I'm working on um, making this screen play into uh, a movie. So it's exciting. It's a long process. And I'm moving forward with that. Yeah, I'm so happy for you. Uh, we have uh, our friend Jared who said, that you're so courageous, Karen. It's not easy to go against such strong group thinking to go against the grain. So he just wanted to acknowledge how courageous you are. Yeah. Is... A lot of my friends are um, of the Shvester Club or a sister club. And I have tons of friends who are daughter of Holocaust survivors. My, my husband is also a, a son of both, you know, both of his parents are Holocaust survivors. And a lot of people do not agree with me, um, and that's fine. Everyone has their opinion and their perspective. So it's, I'm a bit of anomaly in my community. Um, it's just not every day that a daughter of a Holocaust survivor is willing to talk about not just forgiving my abusive father, but also learning to forgive the perpetrators of the Holocaust. So, um, Do they think I've corrupted you? <laughs> Have you had some of that feedback, Karen? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you're not saying. You're not saying. Won't hurt my feelings any. No. Well, it does take a lot of courage. It does take a lot of courage to go against the grain, and um, I understand that. Um, but it really is. I feel. And I don't know if you feel this way, but I really feel that this is your soul pathway. This is your true mission, that you've really stepped into your power and that this is really the purpose, the, the reason that you came to be here on this planet. Have you thought about it that way for yourself? 
you know, I, when my brother died, I started questioning about what my life purpose was, but I was still raising little babies. And, and then when my mother died seven years later, uh, my kids were slightly older. So I had three young kids, but um, I really started thinking about why am I here? Am I just a speck of dirt um, just waiting to live, you know, and, and then die? It just... I was so, my emotions were so raw and I, I, and I prayed that I, that, that somehow, somewhere, someone helped me discover why I'm here and what my, what my purpose is. And I do believe that I'm here to share my story. Um, I'm here to talk about forgiveness. Um, and I'm hoping that with this, this movie, um, the screenplay that it will, um, it's about forgiveness. It's about a daughter learning to forgive her father who happens to be a Holocaust survivor, takes you back to his town of Rygrud. Um, There's a lot of mystery involved, but it's a story of a daughter learning to forgive her father. And as I talk to more and more people, so many of us come from dysfunctional homes and have difficulty in their past. Many people have gone through um, abuse or neglect or feeling unloved from one or both parents abandoned. And there's just so much um, dysfunction in, in many people's lives um, because of family members or friends or even uh, co-workers that it's it's really important to uh, understand the whole concept of forgiveness and why it is important to forgive. And um, so um, that's why I'm here. Did you, uh, and I missed, I was having technical difficulties again, but did you talk about your home invasion yet? Uh, no, no, I didn't. Okay. Um, so that's a key component to uh, this whole story. Yeah, so um, when my father's Holocaust began, it began actually with a home invasion. Um, my grandmother had hired two men to work on their farm. They had a house in the center of the little village and a farm a few miles away. And my grandfather had died and my grandmother hired two men to work on the farm. Um, the day that the Nazis invaded Rygrud, uh, these two uh, hired workers under the guise of the Nazis um, forced themselves into my father's home and took his mother and two sisters. Uh, as my father witnessed all of this from a hiding place um, outside um, where the Nazis wanted them all to um, put them in a ghetto, but my grandmother was resisting. And then she said to the worker, please have mercy on me and just kill me quickly, of which he tortured her and they took their time killing her and my father's sisters. After that, my father ran into the woods and he just never looked back. He never went home. Fast forward 70 years later, um, I'm living in Deerfield with... Um, I'm divorced. Um, two of my younger children came back from college. It was spring break. It was March um, in 2013. And um, it was 11 o'clock at night. I accidentally left my garage door open. Of course, I've done that in the past. There are many garage doors that remain open throughout in the, in the area. And um, I was just about, I was falling asleep. My daughter was in her room. My
No great adventure ever started with, so there I was on the couch. Adventures should be fun, adventures should be rugged, adventures should take you someplace new. And if you ask me, there's no better place to start your adventure this spring than at your local Honda dealer, where new Hondas are arriving daily. Check out the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, Accord, Civic, and more. So you can stay on the couch if you want to, but I'm going to find adventure in a new Honda. Hurry into your local Honda dealer before they're gone. My other son was down in the kitchen studying for his MCATs, and three men uh, burst into my home through the garage door um, and um, took my son and um, threw him on the floor face down and bound his hands together, bound his feet, and put his cell phone in the microwave. And they all, three of the men held guns at his head and asked him how many were upstairs. So two of the men ran upstairs. I woke up with two pistols at my forehead, screaming, who are you? Who are you? Um, and one of the men was wearing medical scrubs. The other one was sunglasses, uh, a hat. His jacket zipped all the way up high. And I just, I think I went out of my body. I, I just, I was screaming and then next minute, my hands were tied up. I was thrown on the uh, ground and held at gunpoint while the third thug then ran down the hallway and burst open my daughter's room. But what I didn't know was that when my daughter heard me screaming, she immediately dialed 911 on her cell phone. And um, a minute later, when she had a gun at her head, the, the uh, third thug said, give me your phone. And he saw that she had dialed for emergency. So he ran out of the room, her room, grabbed the guy holding me. And they, and then with the third guy holding my son, they all ran out of my home. And uh, they were, um, they escaped and the Deerfield police came within a minute and they had surrounded my house, but they had left. Um, from that experience, I, I, I really understood what my father felt um, during his home invasion and three and a half years um, trying just to survive in the forest of Eastern Europe day in and day out of being hunted. And this was just um, five, seven minutes of my life that I thought I was going to die. I thought horrible things were happening, you know, to could have happened to my daughter and me and my son, um, but fortunately we were all saved. Um, but I understood now how I had got, just got a glimpse of actually how my father felt, and I was I was terrorized, and I I I couldn't function. I immediately had to sell my home. I, I couldn't even think about forgiveness, nor would I, because how dare anyone want to hurt my children? for me was the most difficult thing of forgiveness would be if someone would hurt my children and there were these three men in my home and um, I just had to immediately sell my home and move because I couldn't live there um, I couldn't even stay there for a minute by myself in my home and eventually I, I within a few months I sold my home moved out um, and it took me about a good half a year to finally let go of all this and forgive those men um, because I didn't want to remain a victim to this tragedy like my father had remained 70 years earlier. 
there's a lot of synchronicity between his story and, and my story in my life. And it was a very difficult moment in my life. Yeah, I can't imagine. I remember you calling me. I remember that day. I won't forget the day that you called me. Um, and you were at the police station. But I want to I want to say I remember you telling me that um, how perhaps how could you forgive if someone ever hurt your children? This was before the home invasion. So it wasn't that interesting that it's like you had, you had said, well, perhaps I can forgive the Nazis or I can forgive my dad. But what if some, something happened to my children? Do you remember saying that? Can you share that? Yeah, I had said, um, you know, when my father died, I forgave him on his deathbed. Um, it was difficult. Um, but it's not as if my father could hurt me or harm me anymore. He's laying there dying. Um, and, and, and that, but yet that was difficult. Um, but what if someone would dare hurt my children? Um, prior to thinking that, I remember saying, you know, I, I learned to forgive those that murdered my family as well. But that was the path. There's, you know, not going to be a, a Nazi coming knocking on my door trying to kill me. But what if someone tried to hurt my children? That to me would be the ultimate challenge of learning to forgive. And a few months later, came the home invasion. And again, like the bird. Yeah. yeah. I don't when know if I should be careful what I think about, or yeah. if I'm actually picking up on something that might be happening. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a session about that later. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't want to start thinking things and then maybe it'll actually happen. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe other other uh, listeners have have a answer to that. I don't know. But it is, inter it is interesting how that manifested itself for you. Yeah. So, which in some sense um, brings it home to roost for you so that you could have more compassion for your dad. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I'm sure that that, um, that is what has happened. I want to fast forward now into your, your next book that you're writing. And you talked about your dad running into the woods after he saw his family murdered. And can you tell us a little bit about this next this next book that you're writing? I know you're just in the beginning stages of it. So I didn't know, you know, my father was one of those Holocaust survivors that never really talked, at least not to me, about his life during the war. And many of them didn't. And many people who've gone through traumatic experiences don't usually do not discuss these experiences. It may take them decades before they do. Um, and my father, though, shared some of his experiences with my oldest brother, Howard, who, who he, I think he loved, really the only one that he ever loved, um, or as closest to you can possibly love. But, um, but I was never privy to that. Uh, but I did remember in high school that, he said, that I realized that my father wasn't Ari Kaplan. He was born as Avram Yankel Steinsapir. I should have been instead of Karen Kaplan, Karen Steinsapir. But my father changed his name. I realized that in high school and I asked him one day and he says, well, I found an ID and 
during the war. It actually saved my life. And I kept the name. And that was the end of our conversation uh, about about that subject. And so I um, started to think about who was this man, Ari Kaplan, whose name I carry. You see, my father was able to um, just to um, look up and research his family lineage of the Stein superiors that came to Poland back in the late 1600s. There were Jews that were expelled from Spain from the Spanish Inquisition. And then they migrated across Europe and many made their way into Poland. And Poland became the one of the, lar the largest Jewish community in Europe. Um, so I have all this information about the Steinsapirs and, and Rygrud and the family and the house and the farm and and the whole uh, uh, learning about the Jewish community there. But I wanted to know who is this man Ari Kaplan, whose name I now carry. And so I went to um, the archives on uh, computers and speaking to people at the United States Holocaust Museum, see if they can help me. I went to the Mormon church in Wilmette here. They have a library. Um, I couldn't find any information about this man. And I was so frustrated. I said to one day what I was doing. And he said, well, Karen, why don't we just conjure up the spirit of Ari Kaplan? I said, how can you do that? And he said, well, we'll try. I said, well, I've never met the man. And I, how would you know to come forward? And, and he's Polish. And how would you even be able to understand what he's saying? And um, I knew that, you know, it, you, you do work also as a medium and you're able to connect with my mother. And a few times we did connect. But so we decided to have a session to see if the spirit of Ari Kaplan would come forward. And he did come forward. And I started arguing with the spirit because the spirit said, I'm, my name is Ari Kaplan. I'm a young soldier. I'm from Rygrid, Poland. And I was excited. This is probably where my father found his identity. And then he started telling me about the store that his father owned in the little town of Rygrid. And I said, well, was it, he said it was on the north end of the village. And I said, well, right by the uh, church. He said, there is no church. I said, there's this large red brick Catholic church that towers over every building in Rygrud. I know I've been there twice. And the spirit says, no, there's no church. He says, no, our store was by the train station. And I said, train station? There's no train station in Rygrud. There's a bus station, which is right next to my grandmother's house in the town square. I said, Lee, what are you seeing? And you said, Karen, I'm seeing train, a train and train tracks. And I was getting really tired of this conversation because I knew I've been to Rogwood twice. This spirit, I don't know who you were talking to, but I knew he wasn't from Rogwood. And I said, let's just end this conversation. So we ended the conversation. I spent three weeks on my computer looking at satellite pictures of train tracks from Warsaw and Bialystok all the way to Rygrud. They didn't go to Rygrud. They had not veered north or they veered west. 
to other towns near Rygård, but never to Rygård. I thought, well, maybe they were bombed during World War II. And then I looked up when the Catholic Church was erected, which was in 1906. So he said his father owned the shop in 1914. So this didn't make sense. But I still persevered and I went online. I finally typed in the words. This was after three weeks. I typed in the word Rygård train track. And I found a train, a four passenger train on the tracks in front of an old dilapidated train station, a little house with the word Rygård. And then I discovered that there are two Rygords in Poland. One where my father lives in the northeastern border and the other was more central west. So the man that you were speaking to, Ari Kaplan, was from Rygrud, the only other Rygrud in Poland. And that's when I, when I looked online, I saw that in this small little village, there's no church, there are no municipal buildings. It was this tiny little farm town. So... I started to believe who you were speaking to. And we've had about seven sessions with the spirit. And um, I've learned a great deal about Ari Kaplan. I've learned that how my father found his ID, which was a very interesting story. Um, he told me that he was a soldier in the war and he um, went AWOL and he died in the forest. And while my father was running in the forest for about three and a half years, he came upon him and he shook him and he saw that this man, Ari Kaplan, was dead. And he turned him over and he saw icicles on his beard. And the spirit, Ari Kaplan, was telling me, when your father shook me, I, I got scared and he turned me over and I started punching and fighting him. And I said, leave me alone, leave me alone. And my father started rummaging through his clothes and he found a pouch with my ID and he took my knife and he took off my jacket. And then the spirit Ari Kaplan finally realized that he was dead. And he said he was so angry at God, and he was angry at the Germans, and he was angry at Hitler for killing him and his family, that he couldn't see the light, and he couldn't make that transfer that um, from being dead, his soul couldn't, couldn't transfer into the next realm. And so his soul just hovered over his body, and when my father came upon him, he said, just like a fly that, or a flea that hops on the back of a horse, my spirit merged right into your father and I became a spiritual entity into your father for his entire life. And that story is, even to this day, even though I'm the one who brought this message forward, still fascinates me that uh, we were able to get that much information from Ari Kaplan and the fact that your, your parents' wedding picture you see an entity above, I think it's your mother's head in their wedding picture. Can you tell the audience about that? So there's a chapter in my book. Um, oh, 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 I can't, I can't see it, but here, well, here's my book. So there's a chapter in this book and I write a chapter about my mother who I adored and loved. Um, and I decided to put a picture, their wedding picture, which hang, which, was hanging in my house. And when I snapped a picture of it uh, from my phone, 
um, all of a sudden I looked at the phone picture and noticed that there's some, there's some, looks like a man or behind my father, a man with a beard looking down at my father and he looked pretty mean. And I looked at it, I never noticed it in the picture, but I noticed it when from the, my phone picture. And all of a sudden I looked at my parents' wedding photo I got so scared. I thought there was some kind of devil or creepy looking man behind my father. I took down my, the wedding photo and I put it in my closet. I wouldn't want to go near it. And so at, in one of the sessions, Ari Kaplan comes forward and says, Karen, you know, you've seen me before. I said, you yeah, in your parents' wedding photo. I said, that's you. I thought it was the devil. <laughs> but it was him. So the, their photo is up. I wave to him all the time and thank him for coming forward. He's been able to help me understand um, my father. Um, yeah, anytime, he was a fly in the wall in my house. So anytime anything happened, um, he was there. He knew everything. He knew how my father thought. He knew any question that I asked him, you could only know the answer if you were actually in my house and inside my father's head. That's how I knew that this man was an entity. I never believed in this. I, I, I read about it. There's the Jewish entity called the Dybbuk, which a lot of folklore around the Jewish ghost entering someone's body, but I, I never thought much about it until we started channeling Harry Kaplan and he became this entity. Um, so it's really, so this is my new book. And it's going to, and you're making it into, and hopefully you're going to make it into a screenplay because it'll be a fascinating movie as a paranormal movie with an entity attachment. Um, so you've come a long way, Miss Karen, from um, that day I came to your house. You, For you to expand your consciousness now to entities and to paranormal activity, <laughs> I have to laugh a little bit, but... But we, we were the most don't tell anybody because they'll yeah, think. Don't tell yeah, well, nobody's listening. No one's so, listening. <laughs> no one's listening. But tell people how you how they can get your book. Oh, so well, this is my book. It's called Descendants of Rygood: Learning to Forgive. You can buy it on Amazon. It's on Kindle, and um. You can go look up uh, Karen L. Kaplan, uh, Amazon, or the title, and um, you can purchase the book. And then you said in the fall, you'll be at the what LA Film, Film Festival? In November. in November. As long as it's safe to fly and the festival will be open, I will be at the LA Film Festival. Exciting. Yeah. And so if, you're, if your book is selected, what happens then? I mean, if you're, what, uh, what's the process? It gets, it's now considered a finalist. And if it gets um, selected as the screenplay, then um, they will have a group of actors performing one of the scenes or part of the screenplay in front of a live audience. Oh, how exciting. Yeah. And I haven't asked you this, but what does your family think of all this story? Have you had resistance from your own personal family? Like your your other brother, uh, or your um, your cousin, or some of your other relatives. What what's the family reaction? 
Um, well, when I share the story, they find the story so fascinating. Um, and I said, look, you don't have to believe it. I said, I wouldn't believe this 20 years ago either. And I'm not insulted if you don't believe it. Think of this as reading a paranormal fiction or a sci-fi uh, book or, or, or um, and that's how I look at it. Um, but it is a great story and any, any time I have told friends or family the story, they, they really enjoyed it. So I'm hoping it will make a um, uh, fun, enlightening kind of book um, for my readers. And we have another comment, Karen, from Julie. And Julie says, makes you wonder about all the military who come back from combat, different people. Do they have entity attachments? Uh, well, well, my father had this, um, I didn't know my father before the war, but he, one moment he'll be sane or civil, and the next moment, he'll, it's like he was bipolar. It's, he had like two personalities, and um, so I started to look back and wonder, um, when your body is traumatized, when your body has gone through famine, starvation, war, if you're, you could be um, maybe in, in a severe alcoholic or drug addict, and your whole, you're not grounded, you have, you're depleted energetically as well as physically and mentally, it, it I guess, just like my father, it'd be very easy for an entity to merge into oneself. It's kind of like, um, like this COVID, for example. Some people are more likely to get the virus and have severe reaction if they have a lot of the comorbid factors. If they're already sick, if they have diabetes and heart disease, if they're elderly and, and they're physically ill, a virus is more likely to invade and attack their body. Very similar to a spirit entity who's looking for a host it has to find a weak body or weak host to invade so that they could survive. I, what do you think, Lee? I don't know. You're, you're more of an expert on this. Well, we have an aura around us. We have our we have our physical body. We have our mental body. We have our emotional body. We have uh, our etheric body. And so, when our aura is weakened, you're right by by trauma by PSTG, then that energy becomes weak and it becomes more susceptible to disease. It also becomes more susceptible to energy attachments. So energy can invade into our auric field. So you're right, those who are abusing drugs or alcohol or their resistance are lower, or again, like your dad was so traumatized that these energy can, attachments come through that, through that um, weakened aura, but also, um, our thought forms can also attract those negative vibrations. So like attracts like as well. So as a question, as the answer to uh, Julie's question, that probably is true in terms of uh, different personalities. Uh, oftentimes um, people talk about personality disorders or multiple personalities. Uh, some of the common belief in the metaphysical society is that those are actually inter uh, entities where a person has multiple personalities. They're actually in they're entities that are attached to to individuals, and there are people who specialize and help people to clear entities and to do um, those clearings as well. So um, 
the main thing at this point, excuse me, the main thing to take away from this is to, to, as Karen said, to keep your energy strong, to keep your auric field strong. If you can really imagine that your entire system is surrounded by the white light of God and just surround yourself and continue to strengthen your energy field, your auric field, this will help keep you physically healthy. So Karen, I know we just have a couple more minutes left, about a couple more minutes. Was there anything that you wanted to share in the last two minute section? Again, I know people can get your book uh, off of Amazon. Do you have a personal website where they can buy it from you personally or they have to go No, to they can just buy it off of Amazon. It would take them directly to Amazon as well. So, oh, okay. and if you do read the book, um, feel free to email me. I always like to hear your thoughts and um, yeah. And then how do they con how do they contact you if you're available? Are you still available for speaking engagements? Yes, um, I'm so I, I I love to speak. I love to share my story. Um, um, just contact me. My email is Karen Kaplan at apt.net, and um, I'll return your email. And happy to speak. And for those non-believers, um, what what is your advice to those non-believers? Even though in, when we first met, you were skeptical of this whole process, and and now I, I just still have to chuckle through the time that we've known each other, and that you've been so open to um, the metaphysical world and, and the spiritual aspects that that you had some question about. What what are your thoughts to those skeptical people who say, "What is she talking about?" Um. You know, everyone has their own path, has their own way of believing, whatever makes people feel happy, whatever makes people connected. I have, you know, as long as they're good people and do good things, they can believe whatever they want to believe. I, and if they don't believe the way I do, I'm totally fine. I grew up in an environment where I believe that my way was the right way. And I would judge everyone for not believing the way I, for believing differently than I did. And, and today I, I'm just, whatever you believe in, just be a good person, do good, help, help each other, smile, laugh, be joyful. And um, Thank you, Karen. Sure. It's been a great hour. I always love to interview you. I haven't had, um, the last time I had a show was five years ago and you were a guest, I don't know how many times, but you were always uh, one of my favorite guests ever. And so thank you for being in on this new form, format with me. I really appreciate it. I love you. I hope that I can come see you soon. I'm just down the, the road a piece from you, maybe about three and a half hours. So I'm like, I'm ready to, to drive up by 80 to come see you. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. All right. Happy All Memorial right. Day to everyone. All right. Bye. Happy holiday. Bye, Annie. So I want to give, again, special thanks to Karen Kaplan. You can find her book, Descendants of Rygrod, on Amazon. She is available for speaking engagements. Next week, I will be speaking and sharing about my book, Divine Union. I want to talk a little bit uh, and share about the story of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. This book was published three years ago. I just released it in audiobook, but I want to talk a little bit about the perspective of the divine union and merging into sacred union with ourselves, really being able to merge into the divine, sacred, feminine, masculine energy as we hold this energy for ourselves of returning to balance. So this is what I'm going to bring forth next week.
Again, this book is available on my website, leachapin.com, L-E-A-C-H-A-P-I-N.com. And again, you can find that book as well as Amazon. And this book, The 12 Master Teachings of Christ, I teach from this book. I published this book in 2003. It's available on my website as well as Amazon as well. Uh, June 23rd, I will be teaching the sixth lesson, which is interesting that we're talking about forgiveness. I will be teaching that lesson from Christ's perspective on June 23rd in a teleconference class. Every Monday morning, I bring forth the mystical teachings of Mary Magdalene. I've been bringing those universal teachings to the audience, excuse me, to the masses for 15, 17 years. I've lost track of time. And I bring those messages out on my website, as well as my YouTube channel. If you just Google Lee Chapin YouTube, you'll find all the audio recordings that I've done for the past several years of those universal teachings. And Mary Magdalene and Jeshua speak about current life events, helping us to understand the higher spiritual perspective of what's happening currently, as well as there's always a theme. Uh, today, when I brought forth the message, this was about claiming your happiness and moving and living into that state of peace and divine union with yourself, which is again, what we're gonna talk about with my book next week, Divine Union, The Love Story of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. But every week I bring a fresh perspective here on the show. Today, again, as we said, the focus was on forgiveness. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the sacred union and the balance of, of balancing our lives and being able to move through what we call some of our emotional pain in our pain body so that we can be at peace and be the change that we wish to see because this is what this show is about is bringing forth a new spiritual perspective to help people move forward into their empowerment into their higher wisdom and so this is about helping you be the best that you can be so have a great week go shine your light be the change you wish to see be the love be the kindness be the compassion and open your heart to love all those as you wish to share that light into the world so have a great week. Blessings to you all. Namaste. Don't want the fun to end? Grab more refreshments, then head over to Goldilocks Productions' YouTube channel. With over 950 archive shows, the fun doesn't have to end. No great adventure ever started with, so there I was on the couch. Adventures should be fun. Adventures should be rugged. Adventures should take you someplace new. And if you ask me, there's no better place to start your adventure this spring than at your local Honda dealer, where new Hondas are arriving daily. Check out the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, Accord, Civic, and more. So you can stay on the couch if you want to, but I'm going to find adventure in a new Honda. Hurry into your local Honda dealer before they're gone. Looking for a great place to start your career? Start with the city of Norfolk, Virginia. Whatever you're calling, Norfolk has opportunities to put your passions to work and make a difference in a vibrant, waterfront city you'll love to call home. You'll also earn competitive pay, outstanding benefits, and a $5,000 sign-on bonus. A career you'll love in a city you'll love. Not a bad start. Start your career today at norfolk.gov slash coastalvajobs. Restrictions apply. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.